Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. We are excited about what God is doing. God is moving in our church, and if this is your first time or 400th time to be here, um, this is God's house. And uh, the church gets to be a part of the greatest revelation in the world. Come on. The church gets to be a part of the greatest revelation in the world. That revelation is that God has a significant, incredible, magnificent, wonderful plan for each life. Regardless of how much you make, regardless of what happened in your past, regardless of what color you are, regardless of where what happened in your life, everyone, come on, hear what I'm saying, there is a plan for your life. This plan is designed to change your life and to change the world. My assignment today is the magnitude of the church. The magnitude of the church. We are in a culture that um, uh, uh, loves to cancel and criticize. And, and if we're going to be honest, we, we, we're seeing it everywhere. Not just in the church, but in our marriages and our families and our friendships and our, our co-workers, where we're at. And so everybody's good till we're not. And, and the truth of the matter is sometimes perspective is good. Come on. Sometimes perspective is good. The magnitude of the church is shown three ways. Here's the first one. The magnitude of the church is seen as it creates avenues for people to receive the greatest revelation in the world. It's seen. That means the church is the place that's producing missionaries and ministers and marketplace leaders and people who don't just go to work to get a paycheck, but actually believe they work as unto the Lord. So it doesn't matter if my boss is in the room. There's a certain integrity and character that I run with because I don't believe my advancement comes from a man or a woman. I believe that if I do unto the Lord, come on somebody, that actually the heaven sees me and heaven opens up an opportunity for me. And it may not be where I'm currently at, but God can whisper my name into rooms that I'm not even in. It's different. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 18 says, And he said to them, who do you say that I am? Jesus is talking, and he's talking to like his, his people. He's talking to his disciples. And Simon Peter yelled and said, uh, replied and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Dun, dun, dun. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you. Stop. Blessed are you. We just need to bring it down from 80,000 feet to like 2,000 feet. If you are a believer, blessed are you. Blessed are you. There is a revelation that has happened that was not because you are studious, but it was because you opened your heart and said, God, come on, you hear what I'm saying? Simon Barjona, for the flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven... And I tell you, our Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church on the revelation that you understand who I really am. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is a shocking statement. What Peter just said is like, it's a big deal. Like, like it's bigger than uh, Tucker interviewing Putin. 
It's bigger than, than what Cat Williams has to say. Come on, someone. It, 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 it's bigger than the AI's growing influence. It, it's bigger than all the Swifties excited about the Super Bowl. Come on, you. Come on, you. I know, I know the only reason some of you are rooting for the Chiefs is because you believe that Travis Kelsey is going to get on that knee. <laughs> Just be honest with yourself. You know nothing about football. You do not care. Peter's statement is, is bigger than that. His revelation is extremely weighty. And I know that that may not feel weighty because the further we are from a significant moment, the less impactful it is. Last year, my daughter and I were able to go visit George and Martha Washington's uh, Mount Vernon home. Vernon home. And George Washington was the first president and he had a, we had a great group of friends that went with us and uh, it was so much fun. But what made it particularly fun is that we had a historian with us. And so, you know, there was what the person was talking about and then there was what he was talking about. And it added so much context because he was adding America's godly heritage in the middle of what we were seeing, and it produced a greater impact. Peter identified that Jesus was different from anyone he had ever experienced. In other words, Jesus say, the closer I get to Jesus, the better he is. Most of the time, the closer you get to someone, you see the fallacies, you see the flaws, you see the issues. And you know what? We all can get excited about the romantic first. But once you begin to do life with people over a long time, you're like, well, that's just the way they are. Well, they have that issue. Well, you know, they're just a little bit of this or a little bit of that. But Peter didn't have any of that. Peter is getting to walk side by side and he, and, and he begins to observe the power, the character, the anointing, the God-like nature, come on, in Jesus. In the Old Testament, God was like, man, you know, wrath is revealed upon the sinner. And so people were like, you know, lightning bolt, you know, God. And, and then now there is this new revelation that, that yes, God absolutely has standards, but that God is, is love and, and he's seeing Jesus heal and minister and, and, and he's starting to, everything I, I need can be found in Jesus. And Peter tells us, listen, that, that, that Jesus is the very nature of God. He isn't just a good man. He is the son of God and this revelation is what the church is built on. It's not a program, it's not a personality, it's not a gifting, it's not an event, it's the rock, it's Jesus. This is why when you walk in, we have a sign in the lobby that says, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, I was able to meet the Father. Because of Jesus, I was out able to accept forgiveness. Do you know why we put that on there? That can be a triggering issue for people that are walking in. But do you know that if you cannot forgive yourself, then you will never forgive anybody else in your life? 
The forgiveness has to start between you and God and you feeling shame and blame and frustration and anxiety and wanting to hide because you know you should have been caught, but you weren't caught. That moment has to happen here. And only when you're free of that can you turn around to your father or your mother or an ex or, a or whoever and go, it hurt me. I didn't like it, but I have to give you the same thing that I was given. Come on, does that make sense? Hello? Jesus is the only one that was capable of redeeming, listen, every weight of sin and shame and bondage that affects our lives. Jesus was the sacrifice that cancels and covers every one of my sin, every one of our sins. Come on, you'll give it up for Jesus. This is why we create avenues. It's seen when we love the unlovely, when we love the people that we don't know, when we give and we begin to respond to other people that, you know what, you can do nothing for me. You can't pay me back. You, I, I, there are too many books that I've read. There are things that I've done. There's investments that God has given into me, and I pour that out freely because he poured it out freely. It's seen. Come on. For us, we have to make sure that the magnitude of the church is seen and you don't pay me to do that for you. Come on. You don't pay our staff to do that for you. Our staff is available to teach, train, and to live authentic lives in front of you so that you can say, even though you got a hurdle and even though you got a hang up, but God. Come on. Here's the second one. The magnitude of the church, we talked about it seen. The magnitude of the church is felt when the body of Christ learns how to renew its mind rather than simply react on instinct. Your instinct is not good. I know you think you got it, but your instinct some of you, let's just be honest, your instinct when it gets hard is to run. Some of you, your instinct when it gets hard is to slap. It's just, I don't know why, but I get that look, and I'm just like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hand to cheek, before I even knew what was going on. It was just... Some of you, your instinct is to put up walls. And so when anybody makes you mad, I don't care. I don't care. You don't affect me. Your words, your very nature, your life. You don't breathe my air. Your instinct is bad. That's why you need a new nature. That's why you need a new man. That's why God comes in and redeems you. And so I, I'm not saying that you're not intelligent based on worldly standards. I'm saying that on heaven's scale, that's inty beansy. That's like little bit. Like, you, you, you can't, you get no awards in heaven. Oh, my gosh. They read a book. Come on. Does this make sense? As a Christian, the goal is to refresh others rather than to respond in the flesh. We refresh, we don't respond. 
Come on, listen. We give, we don't take. The enemy is the stealer, and come on, God is... Okay, we, we got this. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 6. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom? You just can hear the theme music. You know what I'm saying? Who's the greatest? And calling to him a child, Jesus, he put him in the midst of all of them. Now listen to this. And said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become, don't miss that, turn and become. I'm going to say it again. Turn and become. Like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. I'm just going to make it plain. Can I do that? If you're going to cause someone to reject Jesus, it would be better for you. To die. Does that make sense? That's how important God views this. We all battle the flesh. Everybody breathe. Everybody breathe. Like, oh my God, breathe. Some of y'all never read that verse. You're like, that's so poetic. What's it mean? Die. That's what it means. Just so you know it, it can't have a millstone around your neck in an ocean and float. Our own motives can start conversations that we believe, listen, to be honorable, but upon review, they're actually misguided. The church is at its strongest when everyone is looking in the mirror, not looking at each other, and letting the Holy Spirit deal with their pride, unmet needs, and misconceptions. This is what we are doing every Sunday morning. We are saying, listen, there's a lot of pride in the room. Well, I'm not pride, I'm hurt. You got hurt, now you're better than the person who hurt you, and so you have a lot of pride, because if you had their position with their money and their background, you would have never done that, and so... It ain't my fault if you've never seen it. Pride, then unmet needs. Unmet needs, we just constantly thirsty, sucking life out of every friendship. <laughs> well, you didn't call me. I just called you an hour ago. But it's been a whole 60 minutes. I've been dealing with a lot in the last 60 minutes, and I didn't know that you're like, you got me. I was in the bathroom. I had a shower. 
and shave and clean up. I'm, I'm unmet needs. And so everybody's fighting in the church because there's unmet needs. And everybody thinks, oh, the church doesn't love. No, 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 no. You've never met love. That love is in Jesus. And if he fills you, you have everything that you need, and then we all get to be human. Come on. And then misconceptions, things that hurt you that are real, that, that maybe you haven't read enough about the Bible to understand how God can be both Old Testament and New Testament. And, and we have a lot of ideologies that really stem from hurt if, we, if, we, if we're going to be honest. And so we're like, how can God be all good and yet there is bad? And how can we, and then we, we begin to play this mental game in our mind. And that is why you come and you get sound. Come on. The disciples were just talking, but yet out of their mouth came a motive. In the midst of the greatest, they were talking about who's the greatest. Come on. Unless we begin to look inside and go, God, I need you to change it all. The goal for us is less flesh. And that happens when we allow Jesus to instruct us. We have to turn and become. To turn means to change directions and positions. You cannot turn and stay the same. Come on. That means every year your thinking is different. Every near year there's a renewing of your mind. Every year I'm battling things. And if I'm just going to be honest, there are a lot of things the church knows, but individually they won't face. And it's a whole lot easier to blame other people without pulling out the mirror and going, God, you see me. Will you help me? Come on, does this make sense? To become means to begin. To begin, to let, let God. So unless you turn and you become, the other day I had the pleasure of sitting down with an, an older man in our church and he's going through a rough season. Some sickness, and there were a few times that his eyes began to water as we would talk. And it was in that moment that, come on, the body of Christ was felt. I've heard many of you tell stories about encouraging this mom or encouraging this person. And you sat down, and, and there was an exchange, and, and the love of God was not just seen, but it was felt. The other day, I, Bob and Tina were on the video and um, Bob sent me a, a quick video of the people who were gathered at his home, Bob and Tina's home. And um, they were laughing and enjoying each other, and there was care. And you know, the body's Christ is felt. Wednesday night, we have prayer, and we were in the students' room because the students had this big invite night, and, and they were in this room. And so... Um, and so we were in there and we were having prayer. And I, I would encourage you, if you're not in a life group, if you're not doing something right now, come to Wednesday night prayer. But we had two or three people that received ministry. And it was in that moment, listen, the body of Christ, the, the church wasn't being churchy. Oh, brother. Oh, sister. It's being felt. 
There was an exchange. And I'm just telling you, you, you should be able to feel the magnitude of the church. It's not about me or noticing me. Come on. Coming to church, you cannot stay a long time and have a me first mentality. Someone sitting next to you right now has a story that you know nothing about that's going through something, that's overcoming today, that, that is in the middle of a, a, a decision or a discussion. And here's the interesting thing. Listen to this. This story that we just read, this passage, God says, see them as little children. We're talking about the magnitude of the church. He says, here's all these men that have given up a lot of things to follow Jesus, and he brings in a child and puts them in the midst of them and says, here is my illustration. And all the men are like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. But, but let, let's talk about this a little bit from a church context. When, I, when I, I worked a kids camp for a long time, and I, I love kids, and so when our young moms or our young dads have kids that come in, do you know that, isn't it weird how our voice changes with kids? It's like a little, little child comes in, you're like, ah, and the men are like, you don't normally talk like that. You don't, you don't normally act like that. Like, and there are some kids that I know they're like checking you out, like they're looking in your soul. <laughs> and I have learned to come in soft. And so I will give them space and I will let them observe me two or three times. Like I'm not insecure. And so I'm like, I'm gonna be here for a long time. So, hey, hey. And then they begin to warm up and they... What would the church be like if we treated everybody? <laughs> yes, it felt cringy even doing that. But we, we acted different because we know that you're a little child in the kingdom. And as long as you serve God, you're probably never going to get to a teenager because there's a posture that I'm always turning and I'm always becoming. And I'm using this world to get me ready to heaven. And if our posture changed toward people, that I am going to see you. Man, I'm glad you're here. Not in a condescending way. Does that make sense? No, I'm not talking about looking down on someone. I'm talking about, isn't it interesting how we change our posture because we believe children are innocent? We believe children cannot hurt us. We believe that we have nothing to prove to a child. And so it is okay for us to feel a little seemingly ridiculous because this exchange doesn't hurt us. If you have been bought and chosen, come on, if you've said, Jesus saved my life, you are talking to someone innocent. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? What that means is now 
I begin to look at you the way God looks at you and he sees this little son and daughter and the kingdom of God and the church of God is sons and daughters serving sons and daughters. Come on, is that good? Come on, put your hands together. Continue to humble yourself. Receive prayer. Turn and become. Reach out in a text. Ask someone that, to, to, to come and sit by you. This is why we want to do a 10-1 serve one, because if you're always serving, no one's sitting with you. You're never going to invite someone to church if you're never at your seat until the last moment. Come on. We sit, we serve, we receive. The magnitude of the church is felt when we open our homes and we care for our coworkers, we connect with a young mom, you may not even make it into service. You, you tried to come to church, and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. And yet, you got into the young mom's room, the, uh, the nursing mom's room, and you're laughing and cutting up, and you're like, I have a friend, and we just had church. Come on. Invite someone to your life group. Become a life group leader. I was talking to a, a man named Paul when, uh, Sunday, and he... He stepped out and said, okay, I'm going to lead a life group. And a couple days in, he, he didn't have a massive group in his group. And, uh, and I said, I, I caught him Sunday, and I said, hey, I want you to know, like, we build over time. And if you'll just be faithful, God will bring you the right people. He was on, there on Wednesday night. There were two men that came that received some ministry and he was there and I said hey Paul meet them y'all connect get some, go into their life group <laughs> now I don't know if they're going to go or not but the reality is he was available and he's open and here's the deal too many of us you stop thinking that you're going to recruit life group like fantasy football okay I want you 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 and you because you're awesome and that would be easier for me I don't want you, 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 and you, because y'all got issues. You need to be here another three years before you level up into this. <laughs> Come on. That's, that's, stop choosing who sits at your table and have a table ready for people. Come on. We're helping the children. That's what we're doing. We're helping the children. We're helping the children. That's what we're doing. Here's the third one. Tell them I'm almost done. All right. Here's the here's third one. Here's the third one. Okay, look at this. Third one. The magnitude of the church is heard when those um, meet the Father and are discipled. We are disciple ministry at the house come on I need to tell you something we're a church on mission we are not playing games we know what God has called us to do and we you can see it on the wall we want people to meet the father accept forgiveness live free that's a process and begin to step into purpose and we want you to carry something called responsibility and responsibility will change your life we understand that there are assignments that are given. Abraham had an assignment. Joseph had an assignment. Peter and Paul had an assignment. Mary had an assignment from the angel. Esther had an assignment. The house has been given an assignment. 
Every house has a mantle. Every church has a little bit of difference based on the calling of the man or woman of God that, 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 that started it. And absolutely, we are big C church all the time. This morning, I text a, a, a pastor who is leading a church, and I said, man, love you. I'm glad you're in your building today. And, and we, we text back and forth. Absolutely, we're for big C church. And the big C church should always be about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we're not taking every idea from every church. We're not going to do here why you left there. Come on. I'm just, I, I love you. This may be the only time you come. <laughs> we're going to be faithful to the vision that God has given us. And what is the vision and assignment for us? It is spiritual transformation through discipleship. This is what we're doing. And so there are different mantles, but we know ours. And we know there are people that come to church for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And we are not offended at any of those three. Our mantle is to fill up people's spiritual backpack. And if you're here for a reason, let's tackle that. If you're here for a season, we're fixing to fill you up. And if you're here for a lifetime, you're going to step into leadership because there's a calling of God on your life. Come on, somebody. Does that make sense? Matthew, I mean, Psalms chapter 92, verse 12 and 14 says this. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. And shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. They shall still, everybody say still, bear fruit in old age. And they shall be fresh and flourishing. That's what we want. We want some fresh people in the house. Fresh. Fresh flourishing. It's working. God is moving. And it doesn't matter what age, you're still producing come on fruit does that make sense come on Matthew chapter 18 verse 10 I'm winding this thing up as fast as I can listen see that you do not despise these what don't despise the can we say it one more time come on I know everybody can read dude we, we're not going to despise the what for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of the Father. You understand that you are sitting next to someone that is being called and moved by God. And they are so significant they have representation in heaven. You better stop. Come on. That's what it says. This is no like whim. This is no like, well, I made a decision and I, da, 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 da. no, 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 no. God has a plan and he is drawing all those who would hear. Come on. This verse indicates that how we treat each other matters. There are angels in heaven fighting on your behalf and there is a church here on earth standing in the gap. That's the magnitude of the church. Come on. So how do you, Take from today a concept that you can leave with. Let's wrap this all up to a main takeaway. Be someone who helps expand the magnitude of the church. Come on, come on. Be someone who helps expand the magnitude of the church. I don't care where you go. Go. Come on, right now. 
There are opportunities in this church to help in kids, first experience, creatives, video editing, administration. Right now, you can help expand the magnitude of this church by starting to tithe and to give. Just so that you know, we've been talking about raising $400,000 for the upstairs classroom. We are $45,000 away. Come on. You can right now invite someone to your life group or invite someone to church. You can make the ask. But if you, and I get it, I get it why we don't, but we need to come get healed so we can. You can help celebrate the church instead of being, a, being one who criticizes it. Like, you know what's wrong with the church. That's like someone saying, I went to their house. You know what's wrong with their living room. Every time I grab a spoon, it's got spots on it. They don't clean. If you go into their bathroom, it's like they don't even know they have baseboards. opened up their refrigerator. I'm I scared. Come on. Come on. See, feel, and hear the magnitude of the church. Today, 12 people, some in this service and then the next service, are going to be baptized today. Come on. We're a church on a mission. Stephen Hill, will you come on up here real quick? Just come and stand right here. So we're talking about discipleship. And um, today, I just want you to know that everything that we do at the house has a has a reason. Like we... It may not be a good reason, <laughs> but we have one for everything that we do. And today, um, we're giving Stephen Hill his minister's license. And so, I'm excited too. Sit down. I got things to do here, and y'all, y'all getting me hype. Come over here, man. Let's stand over here like we like each other. By the way, can I just tell y'all, if you ever get married and you're coming down, like, act like y'all like each other. Just hold hands. I've done a lot of weddings. For years, I, I, I travel and, and, and I spoke at churches. And here's what I saw. I saw many titles, but I also saw people struggling with the weight of the office. This is why we don't do things fast. Time reveals character and the fruits in people's lives. King David was anointed and then he was appointed. Those are two different moments. And so for us, we believe that we have seen and we understand there's a gap between your gifting and your calling. And it takes time to develop that. And so today, we as the church leadership 
signify that there is a call on Stephen Hill's life. And over the next few years, you're going to see him move from just administration to ministry. Does that make sense? And so our next step for him will be Pastor Stephen. Right now it's a minister, okay? And so that means he can marry you, he can bury you. Come on, he can get a tax benefit. Come on, right there. All right. But, but the reality is we see what you all see. And so this is a new title, and with new titles come new weight. And so that's, we believe this is a prophetic moment. And so Lindsay, will you come up? Katie, will you come up? Dev, will you come up? And I have a couple questions for you uh, real quick. Uh, Stephen, have, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Do you understand that being a licensed minister is representing Jesus and the house to the world? Will you commit to allow him to minister to you first before you minister to other people? Okay, come on, let's pray. Come on, reach your hands towards Stephen. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for your anointing. And Father, as we lay our hands on Stephen, Father, we are only agreeing with what you've already done. Father, I pray that you would touch his lips, that you would touch his heart. Father, that as you begin to open this next season of ministry as a minister of the gospel, Father, I pray that the conversations that he would have, you would go before him. Father, that he would be able to stand in the midst of where the devil has had territory and take it back. Father, I thank you that you are moving and you are sealing. God, we pray over his marriage, his children, his finances, that you would bless him and that he would not preach better than he lives. Father, that the man that we see is only a part of the man that is in private. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, everybody give a hand. So here's the thing. The magnitude of the church. The magnitude of the church. The magnitude of the church. There are people here today. We're almost done. I got to get out of here. I keep talking. The water's going to be colder. We love you. There's a plan for your life. And you got to start the process. I've known Stephen for over 10 years. It doesn't happen fast. But God is confident and He is sure. So we love you. If you haven't made a decision for Jesus, what you waiting for? Let's go. We got things to do. And if you're hung up on some things that hurt you, let's get some healing. God has good things for you. Can I pray with you before we leave? Father, I thank you so much for this church. Father, I... I uh, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for our staff. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for every life here. God, that you would anoint it. God, we thank you for the 12 individuals about to be baptized. 
God, I thank you for Stephen Hill and his family. God, we want to see the magnitude of the church. We want to see it. We want to feel it. We want to hear it. We believe the best days are ahead. We thank you that the gates of hell will not beat down and close out the church no matter what culture says. God, you have good things for us, and we believe it to happen in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, y'all stand up with us. Come on. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.